Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you from your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Hey, Rahul. Hey, Jackie. How's it going, man? It's going good. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Excited about this week weekend's Premier League games. Yeah, me too. It was an exciting weekend, and game week 11 is now in the books. Yeah, and it's shaping up to be an exciting Premier League so far, looking at this table, huh? Yeah, a very tight one. Yep. Why don't we dive right into the game that we want to talk about today? Yes, let's start off with Chelsea versus Leeds. So I think, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, for us as a young podcast, we nailed that starting lineup. So I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, we did. We went with a 4-3-3 and every single player we predicted would come up. And and that's credit to Frank Lampard finding his best 11 at this point in time. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's credit to Frank Lampard listening to us. <laughs> that's also correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. I think that first 11 he's picking is purely based on form and, and what they've provided to the team this season. Yeah, so if you didn't listen to our last podcast, why don't we do a quick rundown of who started Mendy in goal obviously he's just been a rock and solid we'll talk about what happened in the game with him Reese James at right back still keeping Aspilicueta out Kurt Zuma Thiago Silva partnership continues Ben Chilwell at left back he is the first choice left back right now uh, midfield three of Kai Havertz uh, Kante and Mount Hakim Ziyech playing the right wing Timo Werner playing the left wing and Olivia Giroud leading the line up front for us yep that was the starting 11 and it was good to see Lampard reward Giroud with that starting spot in the Premier League. Yeah, the competition for places is hot, and he was quizzed right before the game, saying that would Giroud get the chance? And he kind of alluded to, I'm not going to give away my team for tactics, but with the way he's playing, it'd be hard to not start him. So I was really excited to see him. And anybody who's been listening to us, you did you did touch on the fact we are a young podcast. I'm a big Giroud fan, so glad to see him being starting in this game. Yep, totally. And just on a separate note, it was just great to have fans back in the stadium. We touched on it in the last last podcast, but even just 2,000 Chelsea fans created an electric atmosphere for the game. And the liquidator was, was blaring through the speakers at the bridge and, and the fans clapping along was just an exciting and a feeling that you think you're getting back to some kind of normalcy. Yeah, and NBC Sports, for those that watch Premier League on NBC Sports, does try to put in fan noises. And I did enjoy that initially in the beginning, but it's not the same. After listening to our 2,000 fans singing and yelling and screaming for every single ball, it was just amazing to have them back in there. And the players responded. I agree, I agree. Uh, so yeah, let's let's dive right into the game, just because that's exactly how that game started. Full of pace and energy. Yeah, very, very explosive. Leeds came out like a house on fire. And to be fair, I think we said they would be a tough challenge that day. Yeah, we did. We did. We've seen them this season for the past 10 games, and every game's been the same. They they just start like they meant to, you know, just go on and on. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the game started well. Uh, Leeds got the ball. And if you haven't seen that initial pass for the opening goal, the ball coming in from the left wing was wonderful. And the Chelsea old boy got onto it, right? He did. Calvin Phillips plays a perfect through ball. And just as we had predicted, Patrick Bamford puts himself in a position to pick it up and put it in the net. 
Yeah, lovely finish. Mendy came out to charge and close it down. For anybody who hasn't seen the goal, the ball was amazing. There's a question if Mendy could have probably come out a little bit quicker and stopped that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so when they scored that goal, my initial reaction, and I texted this to you, was Mendy at fault, question mark. And that was really because I thought he came out a little too quick. Yeah. And that allowed Bamford to touch it past him. And at that position, it leaves Mendy helpless because he can't bring him down. That risks a red card for Mendy. And at the same time, that confuses Zuma, who's trying to get the ball off of Bamford because he thinks the goalie is going to do something. So for me, that's maybe the first mistake from Mendy, but I, I might be being a little too critical of him. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit critical in my opinion, obviously. It was a wonderful, wonderful pass. I think any goalkeeper would have struggled to make that. Maybe Mendy could have come out a few minutes early, but with his record and the number of clean sheets he's had so early in his career, I think we can forgive him for that one. Yeah, I'll allow it. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so move on and let us know how we came back into this game. Yeah, so Leeds, I mean, they were pressing us. Even most teams stopped pressing us when we laid back to Mendy, but these guys were even getting closer to Mendy, which was interesting to see him in, in that pressure situation, especially after that first mistake. But we grew back into the game and we always were a threat going forward. And we were rewarded for that threat when Drew equalized from a beautiful cross from Reese James. He is turning into, and we've said this before, but he's turning into some quality right back with fabulous crosses. And any player worth their value would definitely put that in the net. And Giroud did. He did. He, he made that run and uh, Giroud made that run into the box, peeled out the defender. And Reese James, like always, finds the Chelsea striker or, 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 you know, the Chelsea player in the box uh, and touching on Reese James, he's, uh, he's, his crossing was always perfect, but I mean, even just his physical strength and his ability to shake people off the ball or run back and close down uh, a winger uh, for me. And this may be a very bold claim, but he is England's answer to Cafu and Daniel was together. That is high praise on the young man, but I definitely agree with you. It also makes me feel good if you've got Timo Werner, Pulisic, or Hakim Ziyech playing in front of him. If they neglect their defensive duties, I feel good knowing Reese James has the pace and the power to get back and get the ball off anybody attacking us. Yeah, and just going off of that power, early in that second half, uh, first half after the goal, he like shrugged Bamford off. I don't know if you remember it. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and you messaged me and saying... That's that's a statement from Reese James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was being a little bit funny and poking fun. It was almost like, hey, I made it here and you didn't, but he sent him a little message. <laughs> he, he totally did. So yeah, with that, that equalized the game for us. And that was Giroud's sixth goal in his last six starts in the Premier League and 13 goals in his last 13 starts in all competitions. So I think we should just call him Gold Rude. Wow. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one from you. That was pretty good. <laughs> I think I'm on a roll here with just some of my comparisons, but there you go. No, not, not discrediting what he's doing. He's getting into positions and finding the net game after game. So deservedly started and scored. Yeah. And you know, that, that game ended up going in one, one at halftime. But before we talk about halftime, leads didn't let up. They just kept going and going and going. Usually when Chelsea's coming back into the game, You feel like it's going to, you know, we're going to take over, but Leeds just kept running and running and running. And I must say, Marcelo Bielsa, 
that man has some thunder th- thighs. He squatted that game and I was wondering, I think I messaged you, is he, does he have a better view from there? Is he comfortable? Is he spurring on his players? Uh, anybody who doesn't know and follows him, that's his signature. He just squats on the side of the, of the touchline. And for whatever reason, his team responds great to it. So, Man, if, if when I turn 50 or however old this man is and I can squat for that long, I, I will be very happy. Yeah, he is 65 years old and counting. Oh, my God. I, I would barely even get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of thunder thighs, unfortunately, in our scenario, when you talk about that, we did have a gentleman go down with a hamstring injury. Hakim Ziyech pulled his hamstring and did go off in the first half. Yeah, that and that was right after that goal. So yeah. we got back into the game, but then we lost one of our weapons from, from that wing. And he went on and Pulisic comes on. So not a bad player to bring on, bring on. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. We've talked about this together. The depth of the squad and the quality of the players that are coming in now compared to last season, even, even in the couple of seasons before, it's amazing to think the quality of player we've, we've built over the last few years. Yeah. And even just last summer, actually, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good, good feeling to say Pulisic comes on because there was an injury to Hakim Ziyech right. yep. versus not, you know, I don't want to insult any player from, from the past, but we've been a little short in the last few seasons. So anyway, moving on, uh, we go into the first half ends the first half. I mean, one, one, it was an intense half. Like you said, and you heard the players and Lampard talk at the end of the game at just how difficult Leeds made it in the first half. Yeah, they definitely work and work and work. And I'm pretty sure I heard this on NBC and Sky Sports and other news outlets that Leeds are the top running team of any other team in the Premier League. They just keep going. So if you're not fit, if you haven't heard some of the, the statements Olivier Giroud made at the end of the game and any other team has done, is they just continue to press and press and press. So going to that second half, that halftime break was definitely needed. Yeah, and we may, I, we came back for the second half, and I think we got a little smarter with our energy and the way we right. we played that, that second half by not pressing them too much and allowing them a little more time on the ball, but being more compact as a unit defending. And I think that really did the trick for us. Yeah, I do want to touch on one player, and it's not just at the beginning of the second half, it was through the entire game. Timo Werner, who has been a very good player for us so far this season, not just in the Premier League, in the Champions League, and in in the League Cup as well. He's getting some chances, he's playing well, he's just not finding a net in the last couple of games. Is that something we need to be worried about? I am a little worried about it. I'm not going to lie, because it's, it's now become... I don't want to say a habit, but it's consistently happening. And even though he's scored as many goals as Mane, and even though he's scored more goals than Aubameyang, and even though he's scored uh, some of the, I think he's the third or fourth highest goal scorer in, in, within the club. Right. I think he could be so much further ahead if he was finishing them and placing them a little better. Yeah. And I think I asked you that question because I knew you had an opinion on that. I have an opinion on the fact that I think he's played a lot of football. I do understand still early days, but a lot of football, very tightly packed. This man has played center forward for us, left wing, right wing, coming from deep, finishing at the front. I almost feel like he needs a break, but I do agree with you. Some of the chances he's getting, especially in the first half, we we didn't talk about the one that Olivier Giroud tried and almost went in. It was almost like he cleared it off the line for 
for Giroud. So we just need to see him focus a little bit and hopefully he'll get there with a little bit of a rest. Yeah, I, I mean, the focus aspect of it, he doesn't give up. He right. misses, he'll come back, he'll miss again, he'll come back and, and Eddie will touch on the third goal, which he right. made. But uh, So yeah, we move on to the second goal and, and who else but Kurt Happy Zuma rises the highest in the box from a Mason Mount corner. And just to touch on the first goal, which was assisted by Reese James and the second by Mason Mount, that's two academy players for Chelsea that are providing the assists. So it's it's a good feeling. And, and Zuma's header gives us the lead in the game. And his fourth Premier League goal of the season in 11 games. So is he a center back or is he a center forward? <laughs> uh, he's definitely a center back. But when we do have those corners, he turns into a center forward. And I think that's something we've lacked, you know, talking about the quality of our squad. I think scoring from corners is something we've lacked. And seeing this season that we've changed something with the corners or emphasized a little more in training by Lampard and and his staff that we need to capitalize on these situations. We can't just hit the first man, which is what we were doing when William was taking the corners. Yeah, And no disrespect to him again, but... I think the delivery coming in and then the finding the players has been excellent this season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the delivery has been brilliant. Definitely coming in from players like Mason, Timo, Hakim. They're putting in lovely, lovely balls. So it's always inviting. It's nice to see the power and the precision that Kurt Zuma has brought when he's getting on the end of these corners. Um, I will say when I was looking through it, watching the game over and over again, watching the highlights, there's a, there's a nice little play that happens between Zuma and Giroud where Giroud almost stands his ground strong and physical. And the man who is marking Zuma bumps into Giroud, not having, not giving him the opportunity to jump up with Zuma. So Zuma gets a free header, which if you haven't seen the goal, it is still a wonderful goal, but it's just seeing the tactics at work where they're working together to try and play off of each other to get the open space and put the ball in the net. Right, right. And talk about Giroud scoring, but in, in the second goal, playing a role that not many people would notice. Right, exactly. It's one of those things where he brings the physicality and people start to focus around him. And you know, when they're not, Zuma is understanding he can be a screen and block off players, so I have a free header onto the ball. Right, and you can see as soon as he scores, the first person jumping up with him is Giroud because he knows exactly what's gone down. It worked, yeah, exactly. It did. It did. And I, I, on our Instagram, we called them the Flying Frenchman because they were just so high up in the air. It was it was they great. were, yeah. They get far, far off the ground just to put right. that ball in the net. So. Right. And so that made it 2-1. And we had many chances to kill the game after that. Uh, but for some reason or the other, it didn't happen. But we didn't give up any major chances on the other end. And as the game went on, Leeds' high intensity obviously got to them. They got a little tired. And in the 93rd minute, we found our third goal and and that sealed the points and and the game for us. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this gentleman, Timo Werner, not scoring, but you just touched on it, right? The 93rd minute, he ran the length or half the length of the field, I should say, and still had looked up for a split second, just a second and put it, put in a wonderful ball where it's like, come on, Pulisic, put it into the net. And he did. And it was great to see them combining, especially at that time where you, you would think you're out of energy chasing a Leeds team down but he just went on the run and put in a lovely, lovely cross into Pulisic to put into the net. Exactly. That's and that's Timo Werner. He, like we've been saying, not just today for the past few weeks, he doesn't give up. 
and he feels happy to provide the assist as much as if he had scored. So uh, he's a good player. And I, and as Lampard said, he's going to be a big, big player for this club. And the other big player would be Pulisic. And I'm just happy he got back onto the score sheet because that's mentally and, and for his confidence is going to do great. Yeah, all we can hope for now is that he stays fit because we now have Hakim Ziyech going off with an injury. So it's nice to have another winger coming in. So the depth of the squad's great. We want everybody to be fit. We want the competition. But I hope Pulisic stays fit and goes on a nice run, just like he did on Project Restart. Yeah, we, we have a lot of games coming, and we need all our players fit. So that won us the game. We went right back up to the top of the table and spent the rest of Saturday night and Sunday morning on for in first place. And, I, you know, again, it's a statement of our intentions by winning such a game. I think this might have been the, the biggest test in terms of our quality and what we've been doing in the past six to eight weeks. I agree with you. We touched on it already. The other players were saying this is one of the toughest games they've had just because of the physical intensity of it. Um, being on top of the table, and I think I messaged this to you, I hope Frank Lampard had a two-minute discussion with the squad saying, remember this feeling, embrace this feeling, this is, we may not win the title this season. I don't want to be the negative person on the podcast, but we may not. But instilling that sense of wanting to be at the top of the summit is something that's going to be irreplaceable. I agree. And who else to give them that feeling and message than Frank Lampard himself? Absolutely. So all in all, a good result and a good win. And uh, not just the, the quality of the football, but just one stat that came out right after the game was, Chelsea became the first team to outrun outrun Leeds United. And we, you and I have been talking endlessly about how hard they worked, but yep. for Chelsea to do that and do it better than them speaks volumes about Frank Lampard and the squad. Agreed. Yeah, Frank Lampard's teams, if you look at Derby even previously, Chelsea of last season going into Chelsea of this season, he builds it on work ethic of going up and down, making sure you get back to defend We've touched a little bit on Kai Havertz, Mason Mount. Everybody in the team comes back to defend. When you attack, you get the fallbacks adding in. So I can I can definitely understand that with the energy that we bring to the squad. Yeah, yeah. And another stat, Leeds United had won their previous 25 games in a row when they took the lead. Wow. And they took the lead against Chelsea and that run ended. That's amazing to see the determination of Leeds, not just Leeds United, but Chelsea to make sure that they don't go away with the points. Exactly. So it just away from what's happening on the field, I think mentally and the mentality of the squad is it's building from what we've seen just over a year ago. Right. For sure. For sure. So overall, I mean, everybody played a wonderful game was good to watch leads credit to them. I agree with everything that's been said. I agree with our players. It's been a tough game. Who was your man of the match for this particular game? I'm glad you asked this question because I saved this specific player and, and I saved him because I want to talk about him a lot. And my man of the match was Mason Mount. And I know he, he only got the assist for the second goal, but man, the work this guy puts in, yep, it's just a joy to watch. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, there, there's no disagreements, no contest whatsoever. We talked about him, not just in the last podcast, every podcast, but please continue. Yeah, so the stat is Mason Mount put in seven key passes and six crosses in this game, and that were the highest for a Chelsea player in the Premier League in the past 
five seasons. Wow, that is impressive, especially given some of the names we've had in our team, notably Aiden Hazard, right? Right. So it's it's everything he does with the ball, but also without the ball. And, you know, I know a lot of Chelsea fans think he doesn't bring much to the squad, but man, I, I really like that guy. And he works hard and he doesn't care what he has to do for the team. He'll he'll de- tackle, he'll defend, he'll he's that character that a lot of people say you need in your squad to get others going. Yep. He's a Chelsea boy through and through. So if anybody says, you know, they don't know what he brings to the squad, I urge you, I plead with you to watch Mason Mount off the ball. It's you're gonna see him score a goal, you're gonna see him put in a cross, watch him off the ball for the energy, the work rate, and the pressing. We talked about Leeds United energy, the pressing to push them and close them down. It's brilliant to watch. I uh, yeah, that that that's that's Mason Mount is just a brilliant brilliant player and he can only get better. And the other thing was I noticed when Reese James put in that cross for Giroud, there was a handful of players that went over to celebrate with Giroud. And a few of those went over to to just shake a hand or or pat the back of Reese James, and Mason Mount was one of them. Yeah, because he's noticing what someone else brings to the team. That's not necessarily putting the ball in the net, but the work that's done to to bring that ball up and make it easy for somebody to put the ball in the net. Exactly. So maybe a, a premature shout, but I think this he's captain material. I agree. I actually wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't be. We've missed um, a Chelsea man through and through since John Terry left. It'd be amazing to see Mason Mount be a future captain for us. Yeah, I think that's where he's headed, but time will tell. So I feel a little bit pinched that you picked Mason Mount as the man of the match. So I do have a couple of good shout outs for Olivier Giroud. I think he's a man in form. I don't want to dwell on him too much. Scoring the goal, holding up the play, helping Zuma. And then the other one, which we've talked quite a bit about, is Reese James. Not just because of his wonderful crossing, but I'm now starting to see the defensive side that I initially missed a little bit last season. It was really, really great to see him shove Bamford off and block players, and even till the end, running back and collecting the ball and sending it forward to start the attacks. Yeah, those, those are two good shots as well. And I don't see how Giroud doesn't start the next <laughs> next Premier League game, at least. Right. And Reese James keeping Espelicueta out. We've spoken about it a few times, but that's not an easy achievement for him as a 20, 21 year old. Yeah. So those those two are good players. And one more player I just want to touch on real quick, and this is, would be no surprise for you or any of the listeners, is Thiago Silva. Oh yeah. He he brings a very calm approach to the defense, to the team. And he always knows the pass he wants to play or the ball he wants to play even before he gets it. And I think if Lampard needed a defender in in playing for him, apart from John Terry in his prime, I think Thiago Silva is that defender. Yeah, so I have a statement to make and then I have a question to ask you for your feedback on based on the way Thiago Silva is as a personality and the way he plays, I think he makes everybody around him better. So you're talking about Zuma, who isn't necessarily young, but is younger and learning some of the, the finesse to the trade. Reese James, Ben Chilwell, and Mendy, who's learning the language and learning the league. I think he makes everybody around him better. 
I think he also settles Conte a little bit, making sure that he knows we can communicate in French. Obviously, that helps and then helps bring the ball forward. My question to you is this. When we were linked with Thiago Silva and we were going for Thiago Silva, we had four center backs. We've discussed this several times. Did you think Thiago Silva was the right path for Chelsea? Because, and the reason I ask this, he's 36 years old. He's at the other end of his career. But now I hear they may be signing him for one more year and extending his contract. Yeah, so when we were linked with Thiago Silva, I was a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. But then you sit back for a second and you think about it, is why are we going for a 36-year-old player? And you can see the qualities there. I mean, he's part of the PSG team that goes to the final of the Champions League. And you can see that that defensive mentality and the mentality of I'm going to help not just my team, but my players around me is there. And for him to come to the Premier League at this age itself shows the the mentality of I'm strong and confident in myself. Yeah, and the fitness. I have to say the fitness because everybody who's come to the Premier League has said it immediately. Even Timo Werner after his first few games and Kai Havertz have said it. The German League is no joke. The Spanish League is no joke. But everybody who comes in says the pace and the strength of the Premier League is unmatched to others. So somebody coming in at that age, which we would consider maybe you're slowing down or your physicality is going. No, no, no shame. He just keeps going and going and going and credit to Lampard. He's managing him very well on the health side. Oh yeah, totally. He, I mean, gives him the time off he needs. He knows he goes away on international duty and he doesn't stop him or or didn't restrict him. He lets him do what he has to do for his country. And then he just works around that, which is credit to Lampard and the staff. Absolutely. And credit to Tiago Silva as well for saying at 36, I'm going to go travel halfway across the world and play for Brazil. <laughs> and so, then come back and play on a wet night in England. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I have no issues with him getting that one-year extension. I think he brings a lot to the squad on and off the field. And and for someone like Tamori, now I know he hasn't played much, but just to train with him and see him behind the scenes and, and see his mentality and the way he prepares for games doesn't hurt. Yeah, I agree with you. That's my hope is that it rubs off on Zuma, Tamori, even Christian Tint to a certain degree, and Rudiger, just to show them what top-class centre-back defending is all about. Exactly. So I'm okay with him getting another year. Same. So let's move on to some of the other Premier League results. We'll touch on them real quick. Uh, Let's start with the few ones we predicted and and the big one was which happened on Sunday was Tottenham Hotspurs versus Arsenal. Yeah. So Spurs ended up winning that game two nail. It was a wonderful performance from Tottenham. Um, I'm trying to think of words to describe the human son goal. If there's a better way to describe it, go look at it, be amazed, but then go look at Hoiberg's reaction to son scoring the goal. It's just incredible to see, the quality of this player going and Jose Mourinho called him earlier in, in the season or earlier in, his, in when he took over Tottenham as Sonaldo, just the energy to run down there and finish the ball. If no one's seen it, please look it up. It was an amazing, amazing goal. Yeah. I, I didn't watch this game, but I did happen to catch the, the goals and that was some strike to, yeah. to yeah. cut in, look up and just, bend it in the bend top it. corner yeah honestly it's brilliant to watch and it's again it's the sun and kane show because kane comes in and gets that second goal and spurs does again what we've been saying 
a masterclass, which is just to keep Arsenal out. However, we need to touch on Arsenal and maybe not Arsenal because Arsenal have been poor recently. Why don't we talk about Mikel a little bit? Because you and I have had a debate on Mikel and where he stands as an Arsenal manager. So I'm going to open this up to you and say, what are your thoughts on Mikel? Maybe we can have a quick discussion on him. Arteta out. Simple. There's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say. I mean, Arsenal Football Club sit in 15th spot in the Premier League table. Now, you can say blame the board, blame the the club and whatever, but we all know there's one person that takes the blame in this sport, and it's the manager. Okay, so for the sake of the discussion, do you not think he needs a full season? Uh, a full season to get them relegated sure (laughs) okay let me give you my opinion on the matter I think for several years Arsenal maybe since Arsene Wenger left and maybe even a little bit before he left Arsenal changed their recruiting policy changed their financial structure for me they're not recruiting correctly in certain areas let's touch on William leaving Chelsea because of age, but getting into Arsenal or David Luiz, or even if you look at Obama Young, great player, don't get me wrong, but he's on the wrong side of 30. He was looking for a way out and they pushed and pushed and pushed and paid that exorbitant amount of money to keep him. Mesut also doesn't see a football pitch. There are some strange things that are happening that have happened even before Mikel took over. What I've compared it to is I understand that you need time to place your tactics and things then, but you also need the right type of players to see your vision and go from there. Okay. I agree with what you're saying in terms of recruiting, right? But let's take a step back and talk about what he, his philosophy is. Now he's played or coached, not played. He coached alongside arguably the best manager in the world in Pep Guardiola. And so you think, his mentality is possession, pressing, just dominate the opposition and score a lot of goals and, you know, be an attacking team. That's not Arsenal right now. In fact, they're neither a defending team or an attacking team. They're just a team or not even a team because they look very disinterested in what's going on on the field. So what are you recruiting for? Is it, defending is it attacking is it playing on the counter that and that's my argument is what does Arteta want to do with this Arsenal squad yeah and I think we can have this discussion can go on it's it's a great discussion to have I think what ends up happening is you're given the players you're given if you have a mindset in of how you want to play I'll roll it back because you touched on Pep Guardiola but I don't want to get too deep into him he changed his fallbacks twice. I mean, they spent $200 million on different fallbacks because the fallbacks they recruited, rightly so or wrongly so, didn't fit his style or his method. He bought a goalkeeper. He didn't like the goalkeeper because he couldn't play out from the back with his feet. So they went and splashed the cast and they bought Ederson and it helped. So I can see where you're coming from as far as you don't see the vision or idea. Maybe he has a vision and idea, but the, the personnel that he has to execute it are not necessarily the right one. Personally, I know you disagree with this. I would give him one more transfer window and see what he wants to do as far as recruitment. Because right now, whether you were talking about attacking or defensively, 
their front line is not is not firing. I don't care what tactics you play. Obama, Yang, Pepe, William, Lacazette, no one's putting the ball in the net. You can play a 4-4-2, you can play a 4-3-3, you can play whatever form, 3-4-3, whatever formation may be, somebody has to put the ball in the net. So they're just not performing, whether his tactics are wrong or not, that's, that's a fair point. But top quality players who are interested should be at least helping in that regards. That's true. And maybe at this point, he's just lost those players. It's possible, yeah. Losing the dressing room happens quite a bit, especially when these players are going through manage. It, it's it's a cycle. You've now gone through another manager, and it happens. So yeah, and and for anyone that doesn't know what losing the players means for a manager is, basically he's lost the trust and the confidence of the players that he's managing or coaching. And so in the case of Arsenal, it could be Aubameyang, it could be Willian, it could be Lacazette. It could be Xhaka, it could right. be Ceballos. And so, and it's tough. I mean, you come to a club like Arsenal because you think you can bring them back to the glory days. You can bring them to where they belong in the top four, the top three. And you start slipping and you're now sitting in 15th. And as a player, you're like, well, I'm giving it whatever I can and the guy that's supposed to be leading us as a team isn't getting the job done. So why should I continue playing? Yeah. You know, and just to wrap up on this, you can see he's under pressure. He's a man on fire. If you didn't watch the game, Thomas Partey had a slight injury and Arteta is under so much pressure rather than taking a step back and understanding he almost pushed. And actually, I think he actually did push Thomas Partey onto the field and said, go help, go help, go help. And Thomas Partey didn't make it 10, 15 feet before realizing he's injured, he's not going to continue. So I wish him the best. We have slightly different opinions. Ultimately, we'll see where this ends up by the end of December, or maybe he gets into January and gets that window we're talking about, and we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, they have they have some tough fixtures. They play Chelsea this month. They play Everton away. So it could be a different story, but it also could be much worse than 15 by the end of this month so agreed yeah we'll, we'll see what happens okay why don't we move on to the next game which was west ham versus man united and i think i predicted this one spot on if i'm not mistaken you did and i even went went on to say that united would go one down and then yep. storm back so we we're kind of getting good at learning the way these teams play but yeah united Second half, different team come back and, and win the game and are now up to, I believe, fifth or sixth on the table. Sixth, yeah. and they've played a game less, so they win that and they shoot right up to fourth spot. Yeah, I need to eat a little bit of humble pie because Man United have been inconsistent and worrying. But overall, now where they sit in the in the league sixth with a game in hand, if they win the game in hand, they can come up right behind Chelsea to the same amount of points, 22 with with uh, goal difference just being behind. So one thing I do want to talk about, not necessarily the game, they did win the game 3-1 against West Ham. I want to talk a little bit about Paul Pogba. I think people are getting tired of hearing the name Paul Pogba, not because he's a brilliant player, because he is a brilliant player. Does he stay? Does he go? Does he love Man United? Does he hate Man United? So if anyone who doesn't follow, Mina Mino Raiola, who's Paul Pogba's agent, came out and said, that basically Paul Pogba doesn't want to stay at Man United anymore. His dream is to go to Real Madrid. If Juventus come for him, his dream is to go to Juventus. He's not happy. He's not feeling like he can express himself at Man United. 
his time is up. His contract does un- run out in 2022. He stated that Paul will not be signing an extension. So basically encouraging Man United to either sell him in January or sell him in the summer or risk losing him in 2022 summer for, for nothing. And to just go back, he was, was one of the most expensive players in the world at 92 and 93 million at the time when United got, brought him in from Juventus. Let him go. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Think about it. If let's say, I don't know, Jorginho's agent comes out and says, oh, he doesn't want to play for Chelsea anymore and he doesn't like being here and he wants to go to Madrid. What would you say? So, first of all, I'm in complete agreement with you. I just laughed because it was so abrupt. I thought it would be a discussion. But honestly, I'm in complete agreement with you. Regardless of the player, the player does or should know what the manager, what their agent is thinking. I apologize. What the agent is thinking. Because usually you consult with your agent on everything, any statement that's made. Unless his agent's crazy and just said things to milk finances or whatever. And you really like Man United, then you need to fire your agent because that's ridiculous. But it's not true. 99% of the time, agents and players communicate. They get to know each other. They're on the same page. If any agent or player comes out and they're not happy, get rid of the person. I don't care. And anybody who's listening, I, I completely think Paul Pogba is a brilliant football player on his day when he is interested. And if he's in the right formation... Maybe maybe the word is maybe he's a luxury player because when he's in the mood and he's on his day, he's unstoppable. But Paul Pogba, whether whether you like it or not, has been up and down. There are days where he seems like he loves Man United and wants to play alongside Bruno Fernandes and banging the goals. And there are days where he's like, I hate this place. What am I doing here? So between the statements his, his agent has said and some of the things we've seen over his past, I, I agree with you. Let him go. Get some money out of this transfer and let him go wherever, wherever he wants to go, whoever is willing to pay the, the best amount of money for him. Yeah, it, it's it's one thing to say, you know, my contract ends in 2022 and I'm going to leave or I, I'm thinking about leaving. And that's, you know, we'll t- take that when it comes up. But in December of 2020, for his agent to come out and say, before their big game in the Champions League, Oh, Pogba wants to leave. He wants a new scenery. He's not interested. Come on. That's that's disrespectful to the club. That's disrespectful to the manager and his teammates that he spends the most time with day in, day out. Yeah. There's a level of professionalism that's missing there. Exactly. And rightly no, or wrongly. So, yeah. No matter how upset you are at what's going on at Manchester United or what's going on with Ole, be a professional, do your job. And then when the transfer window comes, go put in a request and get out of there. Yeah. And you can do this the right way. Let's talk about Aiden Hazard, who's done it the right way, who played and then put in his request and Chelsea honored it. Or you talk about Olivier Giroud, who's not happy sitting on the bench, but has been a model professional. So I'm using the Chelsea examples, but this is this is across the board. It happens at every club. Yeah. And he, he scored a brilliant goal against West Ham United. And you would think that's the springboard for him to, to kickstart his season. He had COVID. He struggled with it. But he's come back now, and it's time for him to be Paul Pogba that Manchester United bought and people around the world want to see. I really like Paul Pogba. I, I, I buy him in FIFA every season whenever I can. And if I was dealing with Mino Raiola, in real life, I would I would be like, you know what, get out of here. There's too much <laughs> too much baggage and, and mess just around him. So I I feel bad for Ole, and and that takes a lot for me to say. No, I think you hit the right word. 
baggage is the right term. I, you know, the player is quality. I like the player too. I've seen him perform brilliantly. He's been inconsistent for Man United because he may not feel loved or his heart somewhere else, wherever that may be. I don't feel bad for Paul Pogba, nor do I feel bad for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. If Paul Pogba wants to go, sell him, use that money and rebuild with the player that you want. And to be completely honest, we've touched on this. They just purchased Donny van de Beek, who can slot into that midfield position. He's not the same as Paul Pogba, but he will do a brilliant job for United for years to come if they choose to use him. Yeah, and like we did with Aiden Hazard, use the money and rebuild the squad with multiple players. Exactly, exactly. All right, so not to get hung up on Paul Pogba because we want to move on. Man City, Fulham was the other game. Man City ended up beating Fulham 2-0 quite easily. Not much to talk about. I honestly thought it was going to be more. I think I predicted being 5-0, but Man City had an easy day at the park. Um, And then one other game that we talked about was Sheffield-Leicester, which ended up Leicester winning 2-1 in the 90th minute with Jamie Vardy scoring. And I just feel really terrible for Leicester. I think you and I looked up the, the table this time last year. They were sitting in sixth or seventh place this time last year and now they're stuck at the bottom not a single win and and things are just not looking good for them yeah i think you mean sheffield i'm sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, i i really feel bad for chris wilder because like we said with arsenal at the end of the day the buck stops at the manager Mm -hmm. and he is a sheffield man and and i know it'll take a lot for them to to let him go but at some point they need to start thinking about surviving and staying right. in this league. And he may be the one that, that bites the bullet and has to go. So yeah. Wish them all the best. Good luck to them, but yes. job well done for Leicester. They keep progressing correctly up the table. Correct. So that wraps up the premier league uh, review fun, fun weekend, about 30 goals scored in the nine games. And all in all, a good weekend for the big teams. Everyone won and, and is moving up towards the, the top half of the table. So we'll we'll be back with our Premier League preview later this week. So be sure to, to check in and, and listen into our predictions. And, and this week, we'll be doing our blasts from the past in that episode as well. So definitely check that one out. But before we wrap this up, we just want to touch on some Champions League games coming up this week. And the first one we'll obviously do is Chelsea versus Krasnodar at home at the bridge. So fans will be back, Jackie, again, 2,000 fans at the bridge. So that'll be good. Yeah, exciting. I like to see that continue. Hopefully the world gets better and better and we can increase the number of fans that are at the stadium. Exactly. Uh, So some team news coming out is Ziyech, like we mentioned earlier, is out. Hudson Adoy is also picked up a knock. So he will be out. And... Frank Lampard has confirmed that Kepa, you may remember that name, some of you, <laughs> will be starting this game, and Billy Gilmore as well. So those two are confirmed in the starting lineup. Welcome back, Kepa. <laughs> yes. And so we've already clinched qualification. We've clinched top spot. So this is really a game where I think we can give some of the other guys that haven't featured much a run out. So who would you play? Well, we already know Kepa is starting in goal i think james has been great but maybe it's time to get a little bit of a rest so aspilicueta for me in the last champions league game he went with andreas christensen and tony rudiger i think he sticks with the same it's giving a chance to some of these players that don't play enough and then emerson has been good as a second choice left back so i think he'd he'd definitely start over there 
for me in the midfield. Again, we found our shape. At least I think we're going to stick with the shape. Will be Kai Havertz, Billy Gilmore, because we know he's starting. Uh, Kovacic has played more than Jorginho so far this season, so I would give Jorginho a run out in this game. I think it's a good enough game where he'll have room to control. And then my front three would be Pulisic, Tammy Abraham, and Timo Werner. I I would rest Werner. I would love to rest Werner, but I'm not sure who else we could play on the wing if Callum Hudson-Odoi is injured and uh, Hakim Ziyech. I have a name for you. Okay, I'm listening. Marcus Alonso. Wow. I'm very surprised to hear that name coming back to it's is this the Kepa reunion with Alonso? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know we said we'd do a blast from the past, so this is not part of that. <laughs> but no, listen, ch- hear me out. I think this is a perfect opportunity to play Alonso after I think September that West Brom game. It's been about 90 days, and mm-hmm. we need a winger. We don't want to play Werner. We want to rest him. Sure. So we have the perfect guy to replace them, to replace him. And Alonso literally plays as a left winger anyway. <laughs> I appreciate your enthusiasm. But if that's the case of Verne- resting Werner, I think Frank will move Havertz into a wing position and then probably slide in Kovacic to play alongside Jorginho and Gilmore. If, if Alonso starts, you heard it here first, I will be shocked beyond shocked, honestly. You, if Alonso starts, you will never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you some money then. <laughs> but I, I agree with the rest of the squad. I, I may also rest Pulisic, but maybe give him about an hour and then bring on some of the academy players like Tino. Yeah. Um, and I, I really want to see Tamori come on at some point. Do you know, I was going to say, if you're bringing Kepa and Alonso, when are we going to see Tamori play a game? But we have five center backs. It's been tough. I really, one day we need to, you know, reach out to Frank Lampard and understand what Tamori's done wrong because he did have a good spell underneath him last season. He did. I think it's just competition for places and and some of the senior guys are ahead of him. And if we had progressed in that Carabao Cup, I think Tamori would have featured a lot more. I think so. But yeah, so I think that's with the exception of Werner, uh, I think that's a good lineup. And what's your score prediction? No disrespect to... Krasendor, but I think Chelsea are in good form. When we changed nine players in the last game, we still ended up doing a decent job. I think we'll take it 4-0. I think it'll be decently easy. Krasnodar do need a point to secure Europa League, so I hope it is that easy, but I think they may make it a little more difficult, and with Mr. Kepa back in goal, I think it may be a 3-1 to Chelsea. Well, we're still going to end up taking the group regardless of the result. So either way, this is a good chance to get some legs moving and just getting a chance to see if any other player wants to make a claim for starting 11. Totally. Yep. And just some of the other games that, you know, qualification comes down to this match week, match week six. So on Tuesday, the Manchester United group with PSG and Leipzig comes down to this final game. So it's Manchester United versus Leipzig and PSG versus Istanbul. And United really just need a point, but Leipzig are a tough team, so mm-hmm. they they will and they need to win, so they'll make it really difficult. And it's but, not United at home, right? No, I think they're away. They're away, okay. So, uh, but I think PSG win their game, so they finish top, and then United will probably get the point at least. So that that'll wrap it up. And then in Group F, it's Zenit versus Dortmund. And Lazio versus Bruges. And that Lazio-Bruges game is a tight one because 
they're fighting for one of those spots to qualify with Dortmund. So that'll be interesting as well. And in Group G, qualification has been sealed, but top spot is up for grabs and, and it will be decided between a clash between Ronaldo and Messi. Fun. That'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah. So, and I don't know if we'll get many more of these, so we got to relish it. Yep, absolutely. And then on Wednesday, we have Group A. Second spot is available. Bayern have taken the first spot, but Atletico Madrid, which you think they would be pretty secured by now, but they've been on and off play RB Salzburg for qualification and Lokomotiv Moscow play Bayern who if Moscow win and the other results go their way they'll make it so that'll be interesting and then in group D Liverpool's group second spot is still available and that will be decided between Ajax and Atlanta so that'll be interesting as well and I saved this one for the end because Anyone in this group can qualify, which is crazy that it comes down to this last game last week, but it's Real Madrid versus Munchen Gladbach. So Gladbach sit first, Real Madrid sit third, and then the other game is Inter Milan versus Shakhtar Donetsk. So it's that that will be a group to watch on Wednesday with just goals going in and everyone doing whatever they can to qualify. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't think Real Madrid, who are, you know, have made the European Champions League kind of a, a, a staple for them, struggling to qualify at this point in the in the table. But we'll see. It'd be a fun game to watch for sure. Yeah, and imagine Real Madrid end up in the Europa League. <laughs> that would be a sight to see. That would definitely be a sight to see. So keep an eye out for all these games and, and some interesting drama will go down on Tuesday and Wednesday. But that wraps it up, Jackie. I think we've got some good games coming up this week. We'll be back again later this week to, to preview the Premier League weekend and talk about some of the big games then and do our blast from the past, like I mentioned. So be sure to check it out. And as always, we love to hear your feedback. We've been getting a lot of feedback from you listeners, and so we're loving it. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at the Premier Chelsea and We'll be back again later this week. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Bye.